0: people need to be able to think, speak, and act without self restraint As an academic scientist, I have had the privilege of working with prescient giants in the field, such as Dr. Peter McCullough, Dr. Zev Zelenko, Dr. Joseph Ladapo, and Dr. Harvey Reish. This is America Out Loud Talk Radio. Welcome to my Liberty Hour. I am Dr. Paul Alexander. Hello. Once again, you're listening to the Dr. Paul Alexander Liberty Hour on America Outlawed Radio Network. Speaking out the truth and accurate information to Americans who are willing to listen. I'm working with people like Dr. Peter McCullough, Dr. Harvey Rich, Dr. Peter Bregan. And once again, I'd like to thank Malcolm for his wonderful generosity, allowing us on his show so that we could spread information and fight this work-cancel culture that is seeking to stifle us, this tyranny. And um, I just want to remind you, uh, if it's possible, that you can go to my sub-stack. Um, I provide my daily blog with COVID information. You can find it at Alexander COVID News. That is A-L-E-X-A-N-D-E-R space COVID space news. And uh, <clears throat> I have it for free. And you can check it out. And um, I try to put uh, as much information as I can in as often a a manner as I could. So uh, please take a look and um, abreast yourself of the latest information. And again, it's free. Alexander COVID News. Anyway, there are a lot of different issues I want to touch on this week. One of them is the issue of the died suddenly or... uh, dying in your sleep, dying at dawn, and how it relates to the issues with our pilots right now. We have a situation where our argument is that um, what is happening is post-vaccine mRNA gene injection, mRNA technology, we are seeing um, that persons who've taken the shot are developing what we call silent myocarditis. And look, no one said that you don't get, that there isn't a risk of myocarditis from the virus itself. You can get it from parvovirus, from other viruses. Myocarditis, that is. So we never said so. But what we are finding from the data is that the risk from vaccine is much greater. And the problem is that this uh, myocarditis is... um, is very dangerous and um, it operates in a very subversive manner because it often operates silently. So that when the heart muscle, the myocardium is scarred, is damaged, it does not replace itself. So it's not like other cells in the body that is rejuvenated, replenished. These cells in the heart are gone forever. So that area where there was that inflammation, that scarring, the electrical conduction across the heart is interrupted often. And um, it's not normal. It's, um, it's aberrant. And uh, the, the, the reality is when you're younger, I mean, I, I would try and argue it this way, <clears throat> that younger persons with the loss in uh, cardiac reserve output, ability of the heart to function optimally, because one is younger, you know, um, I would argue that there's a workaround, and often someone with myocarditis silent will not know that there is a problem at, at the level of the of the heart. I suspect the word I can use is compensations are taking place, the work around the deficit, but as one gets older, and you know, organ systems uh, decline overall. Anatomy, physiology, etc. You could understand easily that that silent myocarditis rears its head. The challenge is that when you increase activity and you get excited or you, or you. Or you Enter into physical activity like sports, etc., or you're in a stressful situation, an emergency situation. Um, The adrenals, etc., secrete catecholamines like uh, adrenaline that functions to lift the respiration, the breathing, etc., for you to cope with the challenging situation, the emergency situation. Uh, But what we're finding is that if the heart is damaged and there's scar tissue, and this adrenaline beads, and you're in a, let's say you were running and you are you in a sports event, post-vaccine, and you do have salomyocarditis, this flood of adrenaline onto the scarred heart puts strain on it. Enough strain that the, uh, the behavior of the heart becomes erratic with arrhythmias, maybe ventricular tachycardia, etc. And uh, you could go into cardiac arrest and potentially die. And this is what we're seeing with a lot of sports players on the field, as well as the reports of people who are dying as they rise. Because between 3 to 6 a.m., this flood of adrenaline occurs because you're beginning to rise. For different people, that's generally when their wake hour is. And what we're seeing is that flood of uh, adrenaline, etc., is enough to cause a scarred heart to fail. What we're seeing right now that's very scary to us is the issue about pilots. We saw the FDA raise the threshold from 200 to 300 milliseconds for that um, electrical conduction. And uh, the FDA never gave no sound explanation as to why. But that lifting of that threshold basically opened up the ability for pilots who would not, not normally meet the threshold and below and be excluded from flying until that is addressed. So now you have uh, the FDA, including pilots, who would not normally be cleared as fit to fly. But what we're seeing is many of the pilots have silent myocarditis. I read a study recently where they found in the vaccinated, there was about 2.5% myocarditis. Versus 2% in the unvaccinated. So what what we're trying to argue, what I'm trying to argue is that we think that soon a major passenger plane with two, three hundred people, one or two or three, may fall from the sky because there are so many reports now, it's routine daily, of pilots who suffered cardiac arrest before the flight, just before the flight, or as the flight took off, and 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 some of them as as they landed, and and it is clear that it has to do with the increased stress, etc. Maybe in the takeoff and the landing, in terms of moving through the clouds, maybe excessive turbulence, etc. That pilot is is flying the plane, and that's a stressful situation, and uh, that's a situation where adrenaline could be released, and be the already myocarditis scarred heart, so. This is a huge problem and we are trying to argue that no pilot should fly unless they make demands of the airline industry, of their particular airline, to ensure that they are cleared of myocarditis before taking to the sky. Because we know we could use tests like D-dimer, high sensitivity uh, troponin, as well as um, EKG. These are bona fide tests that can help to, uh, to exclude myocarditis so that you know that your son and daughter, I say daughter because we are seeing in a study in Basel, Switzerland, by Mueller et al., which it showed that, that girls had about a 30 to 40% uh, myocardial lesions. So this is a serious issue. It's not just relegated to males. Um, What I wanted to say is there's this recent report of a British Airways pilot who died just recently, um, maybe a couple of days ago, who died of a heart attack shortly before he was going to fly the plane. The plane was already loaded up, packed with about 300 people, British Airways, and he tragically died after suffering a heart attack just before he was due to fly this plane. He's already packed with people and he's heading to the U.K., the pilot, whose name has never been released, um, uh, was preparing to captain the flight from Cairo, Egypt to Heathrow when he collapsed in the crew hotel. Somehow or the other, this pilot managed to reach the foyer from the hotel room. There, his colleagues performed CPR but were able to save him. So this is a very tragic situation. And uh, once again, um, we are asking the authorities to act, you know, uh, by stopping these gene shots complete, also making sure that pilots are excluded um, from flying if they have not done the requisite tests or have passed them. That's one example of a of a very catastrophic situation averted just because um the pilot was able to get the plane to safety. And um, I believe that pilot, British Airways, he probably wasn't even in the cockpit yet, if I recollect, because I'm trying to remember exactly what happened. Um, there's also another report of a, a Virgin, uh, Virgin Airways, Virgin Australia. The pilot suffered a massive heart attack just 30 minutes after takeoff. So they had to do an emergency landing. This happened on the 3rd of March, and the Airbus A320 was forced to return to Adelaide, where emergency responders were waiting to transport the sick pilot to the hospital. So, you know, we have many reports of people being incapacitated after suffering a heart attack. But airlines want us to accept one pilot. They are also talking to us right now about stripping down the cockpit to include just one pilot. Now, how in good heavens that that makes any sense? If right now you have two pilots and when one falls sick, the plane is in trouble. What would happen with one pilot? If that pilot falls sick, who's going to fly the plane? If that pilot refuses to come out, what is going to happen with traffic for that day? But that's the least of our problems. Our problems is we have pilots now who are, have silent myocarditis. So technically, they're not well. And if it comes knocking in the cockpit during an, a stressful situation, like if the pilot suddenly encounters wind shear and he has to take control of the plane, and let's say the plane plunged. That's a very stressful situation for a pilot. That's when if it's silent myocarditis, that's where the flood of, uh, of adrenaline, et cetera, could kill him. Oh, Um. I also wanted to raise the part that they're thinking about one pilot. And I think I just discussed it, but it's a very important thing. And you as the flying public must say no. Pilots must also reject this. My belief is that if we don't stop this, if we don't try to exclude pilots who may have silent myocarditis from flying, we may have a situation where one or two commercial jets, fully laden with hundreds of people, will fall from the sky and everyone will die. And it's that simple. So I'm raising, making this clarion call. Because this is a very troubling situation. We have this situation right now too where um, Governor Hochel, the governor in New York state, is um, uh, moving against a recent um, ruling that um, rejected the quarantine camps. But Hochul now is... Uh, Files an appeal to, um, to overturn it. So on March 13th, just hours before the deadline, Letitia James, who's the Attorney General, filed the appeal to overturn the lawsuit. And um, the reality about it is that when we look at this situation, I think in New York right now, it's gone a bit insane uh, there's no reason for Hochul, the governor, to be going towards any sort of quarantine camps. Basically, the pandemic is done. COVID is done. And uh, this particular XBB 1.5.1 1 subvariant clade is not that devastating. And um, yes, it's highly infectious, but not pathological to the extent that you would want to have quarantine camps. So this has more to do about usurping power, taking power, and accruing power from the population. We must stand up and push back, and um, not to be afraid. I want to take the opportunity to close off this session, reminding you again that this situation with the pilots is a very stressful one, and we have to, we have to protect the pilots. Pilots must protect themselves. The unions must step in also. You must insist that you cannot fly until they pay for the right test for you to do to rule out myocarditis. And if you do have, well, then you cannot. If you did get diagnosed, you cannot exert, engage in physical activity, etc. cetera, um, for about six months post-shot and diagnosis of myocarditis. So let me close off this session by reminding you that you're listening to America Out Loud talk radio. Uh, on the iHeart uh, network, and you could also listen from from a uh, media player. Yeah, and you could also listen to our media player from any web browser anywhere in the world, and you can hear this the podcast on uh, Spotify, Stitcher, Pandora, and iHeart. Um, please, I'll ask you again. My Substack is free. That's Alexander COVID News. Please go subscribe for free, and I'll and be sending you a full slew of information every day my website is uh, drpaulalexander.com that's d r p a u l a l e x a n d e r .com i post a lot of covid related stuff there if you want again it is free um we've been cancelled and we've lost a lot of our income etc and, and we've managed to struggled i am one of them and uh, if you want to provide me any support um you can via going to Zell, Z E L L E. And my email is SR7283 at gmail.com. That's S is in Sam, R is in Rebecca, 7283 at gmail.com. Thank you.
1: Here on America Out Loud, we emphasize optimal health and air is the most essential element for life the average person inhales over 35 pounds of air every day. Yet we seldom think about how to rid the air of pathogens swiftly and safely when we need to. The Genesis Fogger Plus HOCL is the only way to quickly and naturally restore air to its optimal condition. Visit genesisfogger.com forward slash out loud for a free ebook on everything you need to know about HOCL and receive a 15% discount on the Genesis Fogger with promo code OUTLOUD. With Genesis, you'll be ready for what's next.
0: Hey, welcome back to Dr. Paul Alexander Liberty Hour. Thank you for uh, staying with me. And um, I just had to get myself a couple of cups of coffee, ah, you know, to just lift my spirits and deal with this, uh, deal with the issues. Because, yes, it could be depressing on one hand. Before I get going, once again, I want to thank Malcolm, America Out Loud, for all that he has done for us. Myself, McCullough, Brigham, Rich, all of us, Rents. Given us this platform, um, many many things ongoing. Look, this issue about the pilots and the um, silent myocarditis, this is a this is a damn serious issue, and we we must talk about this routinely because most of our lives we spend in planes going back and forth, and I'm arguing that uh, one to two planes may fall from the sky shortly. Um, We're on the edge right now where pilots getting heart attacks just before they fly or just after. And um, some are in flight and some have died. There's this recent one in the Virgin Australia. I don't know if I mentioned it before, where um, the pilot um, uh, took ill just 30 minutes following takeoff and they had to do an emergency landing. You know, there's an Airbus A320 full with people. And um, they had to return to Adelaide. and uh, You know, the emergency responders were waiting to transport the pilot to the hospital. And the bottom line is, he's incapacitated because of a heart attack. And uh, they, these people are talking about one pilot. How are you going to have one pilot? How? How in good heavens would, do you think that you're going to get let the planes fly where one pilot gets incapacitated? Who's going to fly the planes? There's also the Emirates flight. Remember, I th- I'm not sure if I discussed it in the first part, where um, flight 205, um, the uh, first officer they, they felt unwell about an hour into the flight and had to return. Again, we're arguing this is likely vaccine-induced myocarditis, silent, where the heart muscle is scarred from the vaccine. And the pilot doesn't know. And when the pilot is under a stressful situation, it is stress-induced, causes the flood of adrenaline onto that damaged, scarred heart muscle. Heart is already not, the, the electrical conduction is already atypical, aberrant. And um, this could cause irregular beats and the heart could go into cardiac. You could get a cardiac arrest and die. We have a very, very serious issue on and we are calling on the pilot unions, et cetera, and the pilots themselves, and the airlines. Airlines must protect their pilots. You know, no flying. You have to exclude myocarditis, D-dimer, high-sensitivity troponin test, contrast, gadolinium, chest MRI, EKGs, etc. You have to do this because you have hundreds of people's lives at stake. And a pilot is in a stressful situation dealing with wind shear, turbulence, all sorts of issues. And that is the recipe for a flood of adrenaline onto a scarred myocardium, which causes a problem and a potential death. So I'm trying to say that, um, you know, these airlines must wake up and they must do the right thing for the population because you're talking about if a plane goes down 200, 300, maybe two planes. Ah, this is so vexing and it angers me. That's why I want to touch base again. I also wanted to talk about a study. Many things I wanted to talk about. Right now, you know, like Biden and his administration has taken us to World War III. And um, had, what about this thing about the uh the Russian fighter jet that apparently hit a U.S. drone over the Black Sea. I mean, this is getting very provocative. And um, I stand by the United States, the U.S. flag, the Constitution, everything. But in this case, I have to tell you my point of view. Biden and they are pushing and angling for war. Biden is pushing uh, Russia into China's arms. America cannot fight a combined Russia and China. America has the strongest, most sophisticated, advanced military, but cannot fight a combined russia and china two of the world's biggest nuclear-armed countries i mean i know biden is is struggling uh health-wise but who the hell does he have up in that state department a bunch of 22 year old frat boys pushing us on neocons to war i want my children and grandchildren to live Look, I want to talk about a study that showed us something that uh, I think is very important. It surrounds myocarditis and pericarditis in persons uh, who are unvaccinated and had COVID. So remember, the CDC and the FDA and the NIH have been lying to you because that's all the CDC, etc. does. They lie. I... I, I he, he, some ways may use the term falsehoods. They are liars. They are blatant liars. They are fraudulent. They should be taken down to the studs, stripped down, fumigated. If a fire marshal where those campuses are says, let's evacuate all of the employees and send them home for a month, and then we're going to burn those buildings down with no one in it, everything out, we're going to raise it to the floor and build new. In fact, I say don't build new where those these people got too damn comfortable in their jobs. I say put CDC on Alcatraz with the NIH. I'd put the FDA 200 miles north of Anchorage, Alaska. Put them up in the tundra. Make those federal employees work for their income now. They got took they're, they're liars. They're malfeasant liars what they did, especially what they did President Trump. This study that came out here says that in people who are unvaccinated, remember the lie is, if you are unvaccinated, your risk of myocarditis and pericarditis from COVID is so high that you must take the vaccine. When we know the data shows us that especially in males, young males, teens from 15 or so, and even female, girls too, the risk of myocarditis from the vaccine is exponential but this study is very important it's a study by tuvali et al t-u-v-a-l-i and the title is the incidence of myocarditis and pericarditis in post-covid-19 unvaccinated patients a large population-based study so there's a retrospective study um, in israel of about two hundred thousand adults. And um, what they found, what did they find? They found that post-COVID-19 infection was not associated with myocarditis or pericarditis. I want you to understand what I just said. In other words, these people were unvaccinated and they had COVID infection. But there was no increased risk of myocarditis or pericarditis as CDC and the FDA and NIH and Fauci the liar and Walensky the fraudulent liar and Francis Collins, the most corrupt, malfeasant, inept public health. I don't know what to say about them. They exhibit consistently a a, a depth of academic sloppiness, intellectual laziness even, absurdity, just specious science. Nothing they say makes sense, pure lies, all garbage. So this study actually uh, puts it. I wouldn't say put it to rest because you can't base policy on one decision and on one paper. But this is not just one paper. There have been several like this showing that that dictum, that lie about, oh, if you don't get vaccinated and you get COVID, there's a high risk of myocarditis. This paper says no. That's a lie. So it's something we have to take think about seriously. I also wanted to talk to you about uh, the issue of these um, autopsies. Meaning, you know, it is absolutely important that we consider that in all of these died suddenly, died early, etc. We need to get these autopsies done because only with autopsies could we really verify what caused the death. And this is something that you people have to lobby your local health departments and governments it's very important that you did that so that so that we could figure out what has happened you know what the underlying cause is so i thought that was something i wanted to mention <clears throat> You know, I'm having a discussion right now with Dr. J. Kui. And uh, we it's such a fascinating series of discussions. We did some videos and stuff. and uh, You know, look, I'm, 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 I've been seeing it and I'll say it again. I do, I do believe 100% lab manufactured, but I don't believe one place. I do not believe it's from Wuhan, China. Yes, Wuhan, China is one lab, but I believe the principal player is in the United States? I want us to focus on North Carolina, Chapel Hill. I want us to focus on Ukraine. I want us to focus on Canada even. Wuhan Institute of Virology. But what we are seeing is... Um, I don't want to buy this one-point source release. I am actually arguing this is multiple places that virus was released. This pathogen. Multiple places. And I also want to argue that it's not February 2020 or even December 2019. I am saying released way before that, one to two years before. I'm saying that the globe's population was largely immune. Our immune systems in some, some capacity had seen this pathogen. And we knew that from the Diamond Princess. And I think I'd mentioned this before. You had a ship of 3,700 people and the virus burnt out at 19%. A closed ship. Nobody could have exited. 19%. And I think only about eight deaths, way less than 1%. We had instances where everyone was locked down for weeks, a month in their cabins. They couldn't move, couldn't get off the ship. Food was dropped onto the ship from helicopters. They, They kept that ship outside on the sea. So the virus was raging, but it stopped at 19%. But we have instances where one spouse, one partner in a cabin got hot COVID and died in that cabin whilst the other partner didn't even get infected. How is that possible? Unless we saw it before. So Jay and me are talking a lot about the issue about clones and um, this multiple release issue. Um, very big we're very big on the early treatment the question is we're having a discussion on was it that early treatment was most effective very early on in the in this uh, it's not even a pandemic I've told you this before this 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 bad flu season this bad influenza like illness that we got that they created in, in a in, in, in a lab clones but is it that The initial clones were heavy and those caused serious illnesses. That's why we were top heavy in the beginning. We we incurred some deaths. To our vulnerable, quote-unquote, low-hanging fruit, elderly people with underlying medical conditions. And that's where what this pandemic, well, again, not pandemic, what this issue has shown us is that early treatment has its place. But the question is, where can I be most effective? And can we tailor it? Is it the components of the early treatment? Was it the antibiotics? Was the antibiotics in terms of constraining the pneumonia? Is what was the, the 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 critical factor in saving lives? What what was it about it? We know it worked for very sick people too. Is it that? Is it that? It is most optimal. When you have lethal pathogen, lethal virus, early, I understand that. But after that, if the pathogen is mild, that there's really no use for this. That any recovery, any, any anything we see is you, your body, your immune system. So we really have to have a serious discussion on them. I'm so grateful for people like McCullough and 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 Rish and Zelenko who brought us this. But we also have to transcend this discussion and try to open the table to alternative, not alternative points of view, but new points of view, evolved points of view. We must not censor people. We must allow everybody to come to the table equally. We, don't, we can't focus on Ivy League schools and all that and entitled people and elitist scientists. No, those people cause us a problem in the first place. That's what I wanted to say. I wanted to also talk about a study coming out of Canada. I believe it was published in um, JAMA, where they looked at infection and stuff in the homeless people in Toronto. It's very interesting. And what they found, what did they find? The homeless people and marginalized population in Toronto during the height of the pandemic uh, with no government interest in them, no health care, nothing. They live on the streets. We looked at 736 homeless and the majority managed very well effectively during the pandemic. No reported severe cases or hospitalizations or even deaths in the homeless. How is that possible? And I think it goes back to what I'm saying. You're saying earlier. They had no access to early treatment, the homeless. None. And many of them on the street are elderly, 80 years old, 85, and very sick. You know that. These are a lot of them are very ill. They don't get health care even. And they had no access to early treatment, yet they managed no deaths. Why? How? What is it? Is it that the deaths we occurred really was because of a particular clone, a particular clade or or segment of the virus? You know, we're also discussing the fact that once the virus makes its first rungs within the population, it mutates, it begins mutating, the dung mutates to much milder versions already. So there's a lot of interesting things Kui and me are discussing. Very interesting, and we're in Mike Eden to the table this weekend to broaden the discussion and some other people. Because we want to see if we can flesh it out and understand. Because we want to make sure we do the right thing the next time. And early treatment has its role. The question is, what type? You want to bring people like McCullough because he's the guru. He's the father of this. But we're trying to understand some things first before we table it up to him. Tarish. These are the gurus. If the highest risk people in Toronto had no, there was uh, no hospitalization or death. Then what was the worth to the vaccines, to the population as a public health intervention? Anyway, let me close off this uh, session. Remember, um, I want to thank America Out Loud and Malcolm. Remember my Substack, please. I have it free. Please go to it. It's Alexander COVID News, my blog, A-L-E-X-A-N-D-E-R space COVID space news please it's free if you want to subscribe for the year, it's like 29 bucks my book presidential takedown on amazon Nova. please get it thank you
1: these days every time you turn on the news it seems like there's a new threat to your health maintaining a strong immune system has never been more critical boost your immunity. Go to HealthyCell.com and use limited time code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. Risk-free, love it or your money back, guaranteed. HealthyCell.com, code OUTLOUD. HealthyCell.com, code OUTLOUD.
2: America Out Loud beats to the pulse of our nation. We know when you're angry, you're troubled, confused, glad, and thankful. Well, we know you because we are you. AmericaOutloud.com. Join us as we explore the most important issues of our time. America Outloud Talk Radio. Liberty and justice for all.
0: Back, I just had some more coffee so that you don't fall asleep and I don't fall asleep. Thank you for tuning in to me again. You know, this is the Liberty Hour and I thank Malcolm for what he's done here. You know, this is kind of like the Liberty Tree in America that we're dealing with. We're fighting for our freedoms and our liberties here. Um, you know, I want to let you know that all my podcasts, all my talk shows go to podcast the following day. You know, and you could hear them on um, Spotify, Stitcher, Pandora, and iHeart. I want to remind you quickly about the fact that my Substack, Alexander COVID News. Please, if you could support me in any way, you could go to um, Zell, S-Z-E-L-L-E. My email is sr7283 at gmail.com. That's S as in Sam, R as in Rebecca, 7283 at gmail.com. Even if you give me five bucks. That'll help me tremendously because, uh, you know, we are are the scientists like McCullough, myself, etc. We've been uh, ostracized and canceled. And you know what I'm talking about. Anyway, my book, Presidential Take Down, Barnes & Noble and Amazon. Please consider. Look, I want to talk about, again, there's so many things. Every time I start talking, you know, like I want to jump out of my chair because... I'm not just an academic scientist and I've worked at the World Health Organization, the government, Trump, the Canadian government and all of that. And I work with all these esteemed people like Dr. Peter Bregan, um, you know, the, the, the long list of all these good people. Actually, I, I interviewed a really good person today, um, a couple. I had a, a an interview. It kind of was problematic with Alex Newman. Um, and... Uh, we're going to do another one shortly. It didn't, um, we got cut at a certain point. I also interviewed uh, Karen Kingston, very smart lady, um, very detailed on issues around contract law, uh, minutia. She understands a lot of the data. She does a lot of hard work that most of these scientists and stuff don't do or can't even understand. Um, I also talked to Jay Kui again today. We had a nice um. Zoom and uh, I put it out on my sub stack. If you want, please go. It's a short interview. Um, but I wanted to talk about some studies too that are coming out that are really raising a lot of issues. Particularly, I'll say it bluntly, what did Malone know? What did Dr. Robert Malone know about the fact that he said that he's the, look, if you check the history since this, well, Malone only joined about a year ago. We've been going on this three years. But if you check, um, we've been on the stage together. We've interviewed together, etc. So, you know, but I'm a scientist person. I'm a, I'm a right or wrong, good or bad, up or down. Malone said that he invented the mRNA technology. This is his baby, he says. Okay. All right. Dr. Karina, Dr. Karina Karako, who worked with him, had a, an interview at the Atlantic Magazine and she said that, um, well, she basically said that he lied. And she said that, he said that he was her mentor and, like trainer. And she said, no, she met this guy once. And he doesn't function like that in her life. He said that she said that he's overplayed his position and his role and importance in mRNA technology. And that they were more involved or as involved in a large team. His quest for ownership, etc. she said is not true, is not correct. And um, basically she said that, when I read it, that basically he's being fraudulent. In the Atlantic magazine, she said that I think they produced an email or a phone call where he communicated with her. Basically, if I read it correctly, asking her to step back, something to that effect, para, P-A-R-A. However, I think it ended where he he told her that, quote, quote quote-unquote, para, this will not end well. meaning for you. Now, what do you make of that? Why would Malone tell a scientist that he was working with that? That comes across tacitly as a threat, but why? Why? So I'm asking, did Malone know and remain silent that the vaccine would not stay at the injection site at the deltoid? When the CDC and the NIH and the FDA were lying to people, all during when the vaccine was developed and when it first came out, because that was the concern for the population, that would have, have affected if they if they knew that the content of the vaccine was entering the lymph and blood system and going throughout the body to all cells in your body, so that so that the messenger RNA could be translated into proteins, a spike protein, and then make spike in all of the cells that takes up the lipid nanoparticle for the rest of your life, 24-7. We have no indication that spike stops being produced. They've done all kinds of madness with this messenger RNA. Molecular caps, swapping out uh, nucleosides, etc. Did he know? He must have known. And why was he silent? There's this, there's this story, this paper that was published about the messenger RNA being reverse transcribed back into cells, into the DNA. I believe they even looked at human cells, liver. Did Malone know the messenger RNA would be reverse transcribed into DNA? Five years ago, if you would have told us this, five years ago, people would have bathed all over you and say, impossible. We had riots in the street with Monsanto when they were trying to genetically engineer potatoes and stuff like that. People burn shit down. If you would have told us about using a vaccine that's not chicken and egg platform and you're bringing it with messenger RNA they are going to interfere with this with your DNA? Can you imagine that? That's where we are. We have this study that showed us that the messenger is being reverse transcribed back into your DNA. Questions right away. Malone. Malone. Every time you see people going up on the hill to talk, Malone has to be there. Malone must answer questions. You can't have somebody come into the movement, talking about horses and farms, and nobody asking him. All of these different media outlets, like Epoch Times and stuff, moving along with Malone and his like hands off and his pink, puffy interviews. It's a shame what these media, these quote unquote media who joined the freedom movement and we let them in, they're not asking him the correct questions. How could the person who made the messenger RNA technology? That's in the vaccine that is killing you. I want you to listen to how was saying it again. The person who said they invented the technology that's in the vaccine that is killing you and your children, you have them giving you giving interviews and going on media, moving around like a rock star, and nobody asking the right questions. How does this work? Malone, how do we turn it off? If you invented this, if I invented something, I don't care if you take it and fool around with it. I know how it works. I know how to switch it off. I know how to turn it on. I know how to make it even inaccessible to you. I could create things to lock it out to you. Why has he not come forward with some kind of molecular mechanism? some kind of drug, some kind of follow-up vaccine to null and void all the spike production, something. Reintroduce another vaccine with mRNA, but with new code to supersede and lock off the prior code that inside of you making spike 24-7 and your heart staying enlarged and inflamed and you're getting myocarditis and dying. How come? Now we have this study about reverse transcript. Malone must have known, so why is nobody asking him? We have another study talking about we, uh, the, um, it getting reverse transcribed within six hours of vaccine and spike being produced indefinitely. I saw something with the Daily Skeptic today, a study. that was the lead artist Alden et al. The title is Intracellular Reverse Transcription of Pfizer Vaccine. In the human liver cell line. I want answers to these questions. I'm tired of people going on stage. Talking about everything. But the right question. I want Malone and anyone. Anyone is not just about Malone. But he claimed to be the inventor. I want him. Anyone connected to the lockdowns. And the school closures. That killed people. Anyone connected to the COVID. Treatment policy in hospitals. With the sedation with my midazolam. We're giving our elderly mydazolam and diamorphine and pumping them with kidney and liver toxic remdesivir and isolating them and driving them to dehydration and malnourishment. I want anyone connected to that. Anyone who, who ventilated them, put them in the ventilator, blew up their lungs. You can't just go and create a vent. Man, you had, you had cars, car companies, Ford, Chrysler, You had people making trucks. You had people making vacuum cleaners. Applying for all kinds of money from from the Trump administration to now make ventilators. You can't just go and make, I can't be making cookies and then you tell me, oh, convert your supply line to a ventilator line. And now I'm making ventilators. It takes years to learn to operate a ventilator properly and to calibrate it you have these people just saying, oh yeah, bring all the ventilators and then you're slapping people on it and you're turning it on and blowing up their lungs. Doctors, nurses, technicians, nobody knew what the hell they were doing and killing people. 95 percent of people who were in their ventilators died. So I want all those people, it's not just Malone and the mRNA, I want anybody that costed lives to sit down in a proper trial or tribunal with proper judges, proper lawyers, Proper questions. I don't want Epoch interviewing Malone anymore. I don't want Dell interviewing Malone. None of them. They're not asking the right questions. I want proper media. Ask me. Ask McCullough. Ask Brigan. Ask Rich. Ask us for the questions that Malone must answer. Ask Qui. Ask Karen Kingston. Ask us. We have a list of questions. We want him to answer, did you know that the content of the vaccine leaves the injection site and enters the circulation? If you knew that, why did you not warn the public? You said this was your baby. Many people would have not taken the vaccine and they would be alive today. Did you know about the reverse transcription? Did you know about the other study that is showing us that circular DNA, plasmids, if you, if you guys listening could remember in your grade 11, grade 12 biology, the word plasmid, P-L-A-S-M-I-D. I'm thinking of a study I read today and I can't find it right now. These circular DNA snippets that they could insert into the mRNA. Did Malone know this? This is a very, very important question. Why has he not been asked the correct questions? Why? Why is it off limits? Look, let me tell you something. I'll tell it to you blunt. I, I belong to many of these freedom, freedom fighter groups. I started the freedom fighting with Bregan and McCullough and Rich and some of us. But I have groups right now telling me, "Oh, you know, Doctor Alexander, come on, please don't don't question Malone. Don't write like that, Paul. Paul, Paul, don't do that. You're gonna you're gonna get him upset. Don't question anybody. Don't question this doctor. Don't don't do ask those questions that, that that hospital did. Don't talk about the doctors with the with the fake vaccine cards. Oh no, Paul, you you're gonna upset these people, Paul. Don't do that. Don't put a spotlight. And then they're telling me, well, you know, our donors getting a little edgy." They might pull the donation. So trying, I have places that I publish with that I even started telling me that donors telling them, well, I don't like what Dr. Alexander writes. See if you can get him to stop. Trying to censor me. Censor me, my substack, my blog. You trying to censor my voice? Because now I'm going to speak louder. You can't censor me. You can't cancel me. I worked in Washington, D.C. in the Trump administration. What they did to me, what the media did, what they tried to do to burn me down, I remained standing. Yes, it was tough. Had it not been for my wife and my youngest daughter in Washington with me, had it not been for some select people, had it not been for Dr. Harvey Wish? he helped me, had it not been for Dr. Gordon Geyer, my doctoral supervisor from University in Canada, McMaster, reaching out to me to calm my fears and to stabilize me. It was war. They put me under siege. You could never understand what I went through in Washington. When you have a White House calling you people and telling you Lock down, Don't talk to anybody. You have media camped outside your place. You have people following you on the street threatening your life. Because I was working for President Trump. Imagine that. They hated me. They threatened to kill me. They threatened to... Every single thing they tried. And I remain standing. And you think some punk, punk media people today, op-ed people could censor me, could tell me what to write. So I am telling you, Malone must be brought into a proper legal forum and ask the questions I'm asking. That is all. not a matter of envy. Who envies anybody and cares? It's about saving lives. This is about devastating wrongs that was done. Our children died. People died. I'm angry. And I'm tired of this game, everybody playing. This allegiance and puffy games and 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 oh, oh I am your friend. So if you're not my friend, he's not his friend. And oh no, don't interview him anymore. Oh, try and censor him. Censor me? Whereas well, now I'm going to write. Now you have to be careful that you don't anger me because I'll say everything I need to say. Remember, I've been involved in all these groups. I know everything about these groups. I know every single conversation. You really don't want me to write what I could write about. And I know whoever listening share this. So anyway, let me finish this segment. You know, they're trying to bully McCullough and they're bullying us, bullying Rich, bullying Brigham, bullying me, Dr. Paul Alexander. Just go and read my history. Please, please do yourself a favor, whoever you are. Anyway, let me end this segment thanking Malcolm again. Remember, I support a company called Whit McCullough and Rich, Dr. Amarling, Dr. Gesling, called the Wellness Company. Actually, Dr. Bregan might be part of this company in time. Foster Coulson owns this company. Brave man, good man. He's doing a lot. The Wellness Company. Go to T W C. So Tom, um, Wilamina, Charlie. dot Thank you.